Project IMG Podcast, the voice of IMGs. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Fahmy, third-year med student from Project IMG, the voice of IMGs. Today, we are very happy and excited to have with us Dr. Shay Saunders from the American University of Antigua, who is from Bozeman, Montana originally, and is currently applying to the 2022 match for family medicine residency and actually just submitted her rank list last night. We're very thankful to have you join us today, Dr. Saunders. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. You're very welcome. So let's dive right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Why did you choose the Caribbean? Why did you choose family medicine? Why med school? All of that good stuff. Um, so I guess, yeah. So like you said, I'm from, uh, Bozeman, Montana. I did my undergrad in, um, Colorado. Um, and my undergrad is actually in cultural healthcare, um, which sounds probably kind of wild, but it's kind of more public health geared. Um, and Montana is kind of more of a rural state. So <clears throat> I always knew I wanted to be in sort of healthcare and he wasn't quite sort of sure I was going to go to med school. And then after being sort of out working, I kind of decided I wanted to. Um, and so I applied off cycle, um, and Caribbean schools generally do off cycle admissions. Uh, and I applied and got accepted to both AUA and, um, AUC, I think, uh, St. George's. I liked AUA just because of the size of both the island and the school. Um, so I ended up uh, picking that one. And I went actually sight unseen. I actually um, had never been to Antigua, uh, but my my father is Bahamian. So I've, I've spent time on islands and I've lived uh, in the Azores before. So to me, and I've lived abroad before. So for me, it wasn't... Um, sort of a stretch to go abroad. Um, You're an island girl. Yeah. Sort of by blood and just by nature. Mm -hmm. And I like pineapple, so. I remember when I first met you, it was at the uh, Epicurean, um, what was that, like a shopping center or a supermarket? Uh-huh, a grocery store. store. Yes, yes, yes. And you were buying pineapples, but... Mm -hmm. Okay, so you landed to AUA. You came to Antigua. That's what you chose out of Granada and San Martin, right? Mm -hmm. And it was mostly because of the island size and the school size. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And how did you like Antigua, school and island? Um, you know, honestly, uh, school-wise, um, it was fine. I... I really enjoyed my time there. I I had a great time and I'm someone who can live anywhere, kind of do anything. I so for me, um I knew going into it that I wasn't gonna have Amazon, you know, mm -hmm. at my beck and call. I knew that I needed to bring what I wanted for sort of five, six months at a time, just because I've lived internationally before. So for me, I, you know, sort of prepared and um, I was used to sort of living away from the comforts of home. Uh, so I enjoyed my time. I made friends with 
um, some sort of really key people at the school who sort of took care of me um, and reminded me of home. Um, and I think that's kind of key to surviving uh, when you're away from home during med school. It's just whether you're like in the Caribbean or in the States or just away from home in general, um, it's just sort of finding that little support system. Um, and I made a few kind of close friends and that's kind of really all I needed. Um, and yeah, but I, I enjoyed the school and I enjoyed the Island was gorgeous. And when I wasn't studying, I took advantage and I had a lot of fun. So there's this like kind of funny stigma about Caribbean students that, you know, they're always studying on the beach. Is that true? Absolutely false. That is a thousand percent false. And to the point of um, my own sister came to visit me a couple of times. Um, and she was like, I don't know how you study. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be out on the beach all the time. And I said, it kind of loses its luster. Yeah, Like it's kind of um, sort of like kitschy and fun when you first get there. And it's like kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like the wind and the sand and you're just like no like i i have shit to do or stuff to do i just (laughs) i just want to like go to the library and i eat like a table and i need quiet so um yeah you just uh you end up kind of finding your spot in the library and sort of staking your claim and you just don't move and that's kind of what you do um yeah so you don't really study on the beach can you give us an example of what uh, your day was like on a typical week? Yeah. So um, I'm the type of person, I'm fairly regimented. So um, I typically will get up sometime around 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And I know that that sounds insane, um, but that's just kind of what works for me. Um, I also go to bed around 9 or 9.30 every night. So it's not like I'm you know, sacrificing sleep. Um, it's just kind of the person I am. Um, so I'd get up around that time. Um, and then I would go to the gym okay. first thing, um, for like an hour. Cause the gym was just right down the street from my house. The country club was. And so I would go to the gym. I would, uh, come back and then get ready. I would be at the library generally by six thirty every morning. Um, we didn't have to go to lecture. So my mornings were generally spent doing, um, you know, videos or blocks of questions or cards. And then, um, in basic sciences, it was, uh, then like a small group, um, question session generally for like whatever time during the morning. And then the afternoons was, you know, sort of rinse and repeat as far as, um, you know, questions or lectures or flashcards or whatever. Um, and then, you know, if you had clinical, um, yeah, OSCEs or whatever. Um, and that's just kind of what you did. And then I would, you know, eat, you know, go home and eat normal dinner and then just kind of unwind. And I was in bed by nine o'clock. That's kind of what I did for basic sciences. Clinicals was similar, except, you know, you had clinical stuff to do. So you're doing the same thing and you're pretty much just doing that, but you're supplementing instead of, you know, lectures or small group activities, you're just doing um, clinical activity. So 
And I'm sure your days varied in clinicals because some clinicals would last longer than others, different days, et cetera. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, so for surgery too, like, and like a lot of your learning is more on the go. So, and I, I mean that both literally and sort of figuratively. So a lot of the learning you're doing in clinicals is in the OR versus, or like when you're de- downtime like waiting in between surgeries you're doing flashcards or you're doing like you world blocks like on your phone versus you know when you're in basic sciences you can like sit down and actually do a block um versus where you're like waiting in between cases and you're like doing five questions at a time so um your learning's just very different um sort of in clinicals um and it feels different right it feels more pro- like you're a professional learner when you're in clinicals versus um, when you're in basic sciences, it feels more like college. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. Shay Saunders with us on Project IMG. So you're from Montana. You went to Colorado mm-hmm. for undergrad, went to the Caribbean for med school. You came back to the States for clinicals. And then mm-hmm. now you just submitted your rank list for family med residency. <laughs> Why family? Correct. Uh, family med. It was kind of a natural pick. I sort of hemmed and hawed between three specialties uh, back in when I was thinking sort of last spring about buying um, the season. It was between OB, IM, and family. Um, and then as I got sort of to the opening, I sort of whittled that down to IM and family. Um, I was able to get out of OB fairly easily because um, I started thinking about just kind of the lifestyle that I wanted after residency and the lifestyle that I wanted in residency. I also sort of started talking to various residents that I knew who were in OB, um, attendings who I knew who were in OB, um, and I just kind of realized that it was not for me. And that's fine. And wanted out of OB, I could get in family medicine. So OB was very easy for me to get away from. Um, I am, I applied to, and I actually regret applying to now, um, but I am, I applied to as my backup specialty, um, which I laugh at now because most people don't do that. I feel like family me- family medicine is kind of like the backup specialty. Yeah, yeah. And I applied to um, 40 IM programs as like a backup. Not that bad. <laughs> and I ended up, and I got, a, I actually got, of those 40 IM programs, I think I got 10 interview requests. And I took one. Okay. And the reason I took one um, was because it was a program that is actually in the um, same city as my top family medicine choice. It's not, they're not a, at the same hospital and they're not in the same, um, like they're, they're completely separate programs. They're not affiliated in any way, shape or form, except for there's two hospitals in the same city and I did not want to burn a bridge. So I took the interview and I did a rotation there. So I took the interview because, um, I I just thought it was 
networking wise. And I just didn't want to burn a bridge and they knew me. And I just said, you know what? I think it's a smart decision because mm-hmm. I'm going to be working with these people. And I think it's just the, the right thing to do. So. Okay. Yeah. So, throughout your medical career, um, step one, step two, clinicals, mm-hmm. right? And then ERAS applications, interview season, and then matches cupping up, right? Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through your time filling out the ERAS application to the interviews, to getting your interviews? So, yeah, like, I guess, could you elaborate a little more as so, far as like my, so, my time? Yeah, so as an IMG, Caribbean or yeah. free, right? Yeah. Everybody freaks yeah. out about ERAS, filling out the application. Do I have the best LORs? Do I have the research? Do I have the grades? The grades speak for themselves. It, it, we don't need to talk about that. Filling out the application, asking around what you need to do, getting it together. How did you do it? What were your, um, you know, uh, what was the top thing that you wanted to get out of the way first? Was it the LORs? Was it filling out the application itself? Was it something else? And then gotcha. once you submitted your application, what is the timeline? When was your first interview? How fast did you get one? And when was your Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So here's what I will say. I am extremely lucky because not only did I have um, a very good friend who matched last season who I could ask at any point who I trusted. Um, and I, I just picked one person who I trusted to give me honest advice. And I think that's a key is because you can ask a million people and a million people are all going to give you a different answer about this. And it's like asking people for resources in medical school, right? You're going to get people who say, Oh, you have to use this and you have to use this or you have to do this, or you're not doing this. You're crazy. You have to, sort of filter that out, right? So I, I asked one person, and I was very lucky because I trusted his advice um, and I valued it. And he was, he was very, very good um, at sort of guiding that initially. Um, so he sort of guided me around Christmas before, during M, of my third year. And I just sort of got me thinking, wheels turning. Um, around January, February... Uh, our graduate, we have a whole office at our school that's devoted to sort of graduate affairs and residency preparation. They start kind of bombarding our inboxes with emails saying, you know, we're getting the guide ready. They call it the guide. Um, but the the previous match cycle is ready already. Please try to read through it. So I did, I read through it in January Um, and just kind of got my feet wet, sort of looking at what I needed to do. Um, so if your school has anything like that, I would recommend that you read that cover to cover just so you're familiar with, um, sort of, even if it's not up to date for the match cycle that's going to be coming up, look at it for the previous year or the match cycle that's happening right now. So you at least know what's coming. You're at least familiar with the procedures and the policies. Um, because even if things change slightly, they're not going to do like a whole 360 degree turn, right? 
Like they're not going to reinvent the wheel. So I, I would advise you to just at least get familiar with a general ballpark if you can, um, with the overall process in like January or February. So like now, if you can <laughs> for next year, um, and then um, sort of find out any sort of school things that may be required. So like for us, we had to start thinking about our comprehensive exam that we have to take before we take step. There's um, like a Kaplan course that we had to watch all the videos for before we were certified to sit for step. Like a lot of, and unfortunately, a shocking amount of people in my class did not know that we had to do those things. So um, there, you know, there are things that you will have to do for school um, to be able to both take step and then also be able to um, apply for ERAS. And school, different schools have different deadlines and different schools have different policies. So be familiar with those. I mean, that is something that, a lot of students don't take the time to like understand or like read your school's manual like that to me it's like mind-boggling that people don't take the time to do that but um so that's sort of where I would start and then sort of filling your timelines from there um understand that um you want on the date that they say ERAS opens on that date that ERAS opens, and I think this is where people get confused. Which is usually, there's a di- sorry to cut you off. That that's usually like in August ish, maybe July. August or September. Uh, uh, oh, you mean the application opens? Yeah, the application. Yes, yes. On the date that the ERAS application opens, you want to start inputting things as much as you can, as you can on the date that that opens mm. because on the date that you can submit it which pre covid was september 1st and it had been september 1st for a long time um you want to be able to submit it however and this is where the confusion lies there is a date you can submit it right which September 1st, as I say to you, uh, for me this last year, the date, the first date you could submit it was September 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, however, programs cannot start viewing your application until generally two weeks after that date of submission. And I think that's where people get really confused. Right, because there's a submission date that you can start submitting your application, and so people think they have to rush to get everything in on September 1st or September 15th, whatever date it is, and then they freak out because they're like, Well, it wasn't in, but then they don't realize that programs can actually start looking at your application until the the 29th or you know, whatever date, and it actually tells you on ERAS what date they can actually start looking at it. So in reality, you don't actually have to have it done on the 1st or the 15th. You actually have to have it done on whatever date they can start looking at your application. And in reality, I would suggest a couple of days before. Yeah. Um, so I would work on getting all of that stuff in, you know, two days before. So with that being said, time your step two score, your... Um, letters of recommendation, time all of that stuff 
based on that date that programs can start looking at your application because you want to go in to the application cycle with a step two score and people will there will be varying opinions on this and that's fine i am of the camp that believes with the exception of your ECFMG certification, like the actual certificate, because you can't have that until you graduate, because I didn't have it and I got interviews just fine. Everything else should be done. Mm-hmm. I am of that camp. I think you should have your step two score back. I think you should have your OET done. I think you should have your step one score back. I think you should have everything done, submitted, because I absolutely think it makes a difference as to whether you, the amount of interviews you get. Dr. Shea Saunders here with us, Project IMG podcast for IMGs. You want to submit your application well-rounded and you know on the first shot with everything you know you you know as imgs we already kind of have a chip on our shoulder so why wait why submit it without something with something missing so i see what yes and i know that i'm sorry uh, sorry to cut you off some programs on um um their website will say you know yeah we don't filter out with step one and we are okay waiting with step two but now that step one is past fail how are they going to grant you interviews unless you have your step two score there? So and now, I, I'll, sorry, that debate is, is pretty much like, you know, it's gone. It's, it's, it's that, that debate is gone for me. And, and honestly, like, I understand, you know, the certification thing to me, there are very few programs that actually require a step, uh, your ECFMG certification at the time of application. Like there are literally a handful of programs that I ran into when I was researching which programs I was going to apply to. There are a handful that I ran into that required it at time of application. Um, which makes no sense because like you said, you can only get that after you graduate. Exactly. Most, most the, you know, the traditional graduation is usually in May if you, you know, exactly. December. But if you don't like your case, you got it back in December. So even that doesn't really, you know, hold you back from anything. Exactly. Um, so like I said, with the exception of the um, ECFMG certification, my advice is if you do not have a complete application um, when programs can start looking at your application i would strongly advise you to maybe sit there and go "Mm, is it worth me applying this cycle Mm -hmm. and i have a very specific example for you i have a horror story for you i know of someone who did not um end up passing their comp exam at the same time as I did. And they finally just passed their comp exam back in uh, January. 
so a month ago. Okay. And I first took it with me in May. So they had five tries, took it. They passed on the last one in January. They just now took their step two, two weeks ago. They applied back in September for the match. So now they can't even soap. So they've just wasted $5,000 on and all their OET, all of their pathway, all of their... So they've wasted thousands of dollars on a match cycle. And now they have a failed match. Mm-hmm. So now they're going into a second match cycle next year. All because they, they couldn't just wait. Yeah. No. And you could have got a year research in or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, can they can they withdraw their application? Well, did they even they, so get interviews? Did they even get interviews? They didn't get a single interview. So does it really count as a as a try? It will show up as and this is a conversation I have to have with them this weekend because the deadline to withdraw is next Tuesday. Okay. So, and it's a hard conversation I have to have with this person because, you know, yeah. Well, now it's just not a fun conversation. If they withdraw, does it still show? I don't know. Because I'm not a match guru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did my research um, well in advance. And what's hilarious is a lot of people just got on my case about being so like uber organized. I think you and I talked about this at nauseum when I was going through this because, um, but it's paid off. It's actually paid off. It's good. Yeah. I mean, it has to pay off being, you know, organized. It definitely pays off in many, many circumstances, not just here. A few more questions. Um, So we're anticipating you matching into family medicine. We're going to interview you post-match. Yeah. But which program stood out to you the most? Well, I mean, I have to say my my home program. Well, not my home program. I shouldn't say that. My... So there is a family medicine, there's actually, well, there's three family medicine programs in Montana, um, but I did an away rotation at one of them. It was actually my very last rotation of medical school. Um, and um, I loved it. And I loved the program. I got along really well with the faculty. The clinic is absolutely stunning um yeah i we have take inpatient at two hospitals that are right down the block from each other um you know we have two or no three rural health clinics um we serve one of the reservations up here um we have you know a huge behavioral health team in the clinic um, we have dental, we have psych, we have a gym, we have, I mean, it's just, it's a great, great, great program. It's, it's an end. We just got grant funding. So now instead of eight residents, there's 10. So we now, we, they just expanded the program. So yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I just loved it. I, I really, really loved it. Yeah. That's good to hear. Hopefully uh, you, you match in that program and we talk to you post-match. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, they, they have some really cool tracks too. So they have a public health and advocacy one. Um, you, you New York kids might not 
know about this, but they are something called wilderness and survival medicine out here in Montana. So they have a wilderness and survival medicine track. Um, they have a um, maternal and fetal care and then a, um, uh, I'm missing one other. Did I say sports medicine fellow? No, you did not say sports medicine. Yeah, they have a sports medicine fellow. That's cool. Um, if you were to uh, pass on a piece of advice or word of advice to a fellow IMG, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I guess I'll just toss out some bullet points okay. that I that I think are important. You know, keep yourself organized. You know, know your deadlines. And honestly, you got to just believe in yourself, right? Like, this has been an uphill battle for four years. Mm -hmm. And you're coming to the end of it. And it's, it's not going to be fun for you if you don't use this time to truly like enjoy it and reflect and, you know, believe in yourself and sort of just reap the benefit of all the hard work of the last four years. Um, and if you do that, it's going to shine through in your application. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think if you do that, you're going to match. And, and I just, I have, I have a strong, I have a really, really strong belief in that. Um, and I have a really strong belief in this sort of sentiment that people end up where they're supposed to end up. Um, I, I really, really think that. And it might not feel like that. And it might not feel like that immediately. Like if you get an envelope and, or, you know, you get a email, you look at it and you're like, where am I going? Um, it might not feel like that, but I, you know, you might, there's a, there's a poem, um, about people who are, I think it's about people who are going to Italy, but their plane gets diverted to Holland. And the poem's called, but, it, but Holland's nice too. And it's just, you know, so just enjoy the ride, you know, because you never know where you're going to end up. And I think you'll end up where you're supposed to end up. Last question. What are your thoughts on the step one going past fail? <laughs> Can I plead the fifth? <laughs> um, here's what cool. I think. Uh-huh. I think it's not, I don't know. I, I think it's, I'm probably going to have an unpopular opinion for IMGs, frankly. I mean, I actually, I, I actually, everybody looks this, at it differently. Everybody definitely looks at it differently. Yeah. I actually think this is a good thing. Me too. I do too. Believe I me. think that step one is awful. Mm -hmm. I think it is a, it's a terrible test. And I think that it is basically a 
memorization thing. That being said, I understand that there is a need to measure a benchmark. Like, do you understand enough basic sciences to move you into a clinical scenario? Sure. That's fine. Um, and I think that step two is a far better assessment of someone's ability to clinically reason themselves through a actual doctoring scenario. And I think step three, although I haven't taken it yet, I think step three is kind of a combines the best of both worlds. Um, from what I've seen on your world so far. Um, what do I know? Uh, and I think that the pass fail is going to do a lot as far as sort of making people don't focus on memorizing things just focus on understanding the concept you know the theory behind it um which i think is a good thing um and i think step two however will become a greater measure of do i think more weight will be put on step two absolutely a thousand percent but i think that's okay i think that's okay Dr. Conrad Fisher, I'm sure you obviously know who that is from Kaplan, mm -hmm. so owns MedSmarter. Um, he said that, you know, obviously now that, you know, step one is going past fail, more emphasis will be placed on step two. And uh -huh. this is interesting. He said familiar, familiarity with med school teaching will be important, which kind of hinders the foreign IMG. But there's a lot of programs that have been not so affiliated, but they have been accepting a lot of foreign IMGs in addition to Caribbean students. So that won't be a problem. But he said that I, he actually thinks it's positive because step two is a better test to take than step one is. Agreed. And so for that student who usually uh, struggles with step one material, they usually bounce back on step two. And now that there's more of an emphasis on step two, it should only push us and other IMG students to do even better. I will 100% agree. I, I'm a case in point. I had a 37 point jump on step from step one to step two. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I'm I am a classic example of that, and I did fine on step one. Mm -hmm. So that should tell you that step one, like truly. And I had a program director say this to me in an interview. Um, and and I, this is where I think step one is very arbitrary. Mm -hmm. um, step one, he said to me, I thought I didn't really actually believe your application because he said, you are not someone that we traditionally see apply to family medicine. And I... To me, that's very telling, right? Because step one should not be used as a benchmark like that. And it obviously is because I have a program director sitting me, telling me from looking at my application that my score is being used as a benchmark and that it's not typically scores that are seen in his program. So... I think by going past fail for step one, that's going to be something that's, it's going to be arbitrary at that point. And step two, 
you step two doesn't it runs the gamut right because you're going to have someone in you know whatever fields take family if you want who scores a two 20 on step two and you're going to have someone on in family medicine who scores a 260 on step two but that's generally not the case on step one right you generally see a smaller distribution on step one when it comes to board scores but with step two you generally see a wider distribution because that's just kind of how they fall um, and, but they're generally higher. I mean, that was a, that was a really wide example, but I, I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. And, um, yeah, I don't, I a hundred percent agree with that. All right, Dr. Shea Saunders, we wish you all the best in this upcoming match. We will speak to you post-match about how it went. If you got into the program that you desired to get into and what you're feeling, how it went, and all of that good stuff. <laughs> how do you think it's going to go? I think it's going to go fabulous. I think <laughs> we're staying at Montana. You think I'm going to stay here in Montana? I think we're staying in Montana and going into your number one choice. I certainly hope you're correct. And we will find out in, well, three weeks from today. Three weeks from today. Well, it'll be less than three weeks. It's going to be in the morning, so... We'll find out. Yeah, yes, you're correct. It'll be in like 20 hours and or 20 days and I don't know, handful of hours. Yes, yes. But who's thank counting? You. Thank you, Dr. San- Saunders. We are really appreciated. And we'll you're talk welcome. to you. Good luck. Sounds good. Thanks.